Good afternoon, boxing fans around the world. Back again on Combat Talk Radio, found at combattalkradio.net with a our weekend of boxing updates here. Feel free to check us out. Once again, the site is combattalkradio.net. Leave us some comments, questions, suggestions, feedback on how we're doing, and we will get right into our weekend of boxing. Boxing fans, we got some fights this weekend that I think are worth your time, and then some other ones that I'm not quite sure about. Most of the action is going to happen later in the month, although we do have some good fights happening this weekend. I'm just overly not impressed, frankly, with what we do have available, although many of these were either fights in play for a long time or they were like last-minute bookings or something else happened, and I think it's important that we put a lot of these in perspective. So I'm going to go down this list, and mind you, this is probably not a complete list because a lot of these fights are either not televised or not heavily promoted to where you don't even know until you get some message about the results. So if I miss one, I apologize. It's not intentional. I'm not trying to overlook any fighter. I'm just going over what I see. Let's go with the top one at the building right now in the Dickies Arena out in Texas. It's being broadcast by DAZN. The return of Virgil Ortiz Jr. He's fighting, of course, Michael McKinson. And this is a fight that was supposed to happen before. And then Ortiz got ill. He had rhabdomyolysis. And that's that's basically he was, I think he was overtraining. And it messed him up. And he had to go recovery. And, McKinson fought somebody else. It was kind of a stinker. So this fight was always in the books. Both guys were undefeated. It's kind of anticipated, mostly because we need to see where Virgil Ortiz is now. He has been kind of the stoppage artist, knockout artist, expected to then go up against somebody like an Errol Spence in the future, kind of one of those up-and-coming stars. Michael McKinson, though, is a solid fighter. He's more experienced than Ortiz by far and away. Uh, Certainly the more experienced fighter, although he's not the more promoted. Uh, Virgil Ortiz has the promotion. He is top-ranked. But not top ranked the promotion, but he's high ranked number one by the WBA and the WBO. Of course, Errol Spence holds the WBA. Terrence Crawford holds the WBO. So they're positioning him to fight the winner of that next. Now, the thing is, like with Michael McKinson, he's not rated in the top three in any of the orgs, but he's a solid fighter. And the reason, the only reason I believe that he is not highly ranked, McKinson's not one of those knockout artists. He's not going to go out there and try to get you out of there. He kind of boxes to a decision, and he's happy doing so. Kind of like Arislandi Lara, old day Arislandi Lara. That's kind of what I get from him. He is a southpaw, so he will make it difficult for anybody he's in the ring with. So, again, he's a good, good fighter. I'm not dismissing him as a fighter. He's still a young kid, and he's got, I think, good fundamentals. It's just he doesn't excite the crowd. And so I expect the same here where he's going to be frustrating Virgil Ortiz pretty much all night long. And either Ortiz catches him at some point and gets it done, or McKinson completely dominates him like Devin Haney just recently did to CM Punk Cambosis. That's my theory on this business. I'm, I'm really disappointed, frankly, that it didn't happen before because the fight before this was an absolute stinker for McKinson and didn't do anything for his outcome, for his promotional. I would say, though, just keep this in mind. Pretty much to a T. Everybody expects that Virgil knocks out McKinson. That's what we expect because Virgil Ortiz has been a knockout artist. I think the one linchpin in that prediction is, again, Ortiz and the illness, whatever he had, and whether he's the same fighter, whether he's able to still do that. And again, McKinson is a solid boxer. It's not like he's a bum. He's not. You're not going to have an easy time against the dude, and I think people are completely underrating what McKinson brings to the table From a fighting style, you know, presence perspective, that's my call, my opinion. I stick with this. 
also happening on the undercard of that one. And I was surprised to see this because I didn't know. I thought this was going to be booked out of ways because it seemed like it was recently signed. But apparently I was told this had been signed two months ago. And he was there was some negotiations that fell through. So this was like a plan B. The return of Blair, the Flair Cobbs, one of the most exciting fighters in boxing right now. He's going to be fighting Maurice Mo Hooker. Of course, that's at welterweight. It's a 10-rounder. Cobbs, of course, is coming off the loss to Alexis Rocha, probably the, and I think he learned a lot from that fight in what not to do. I, when I watched it, I covered that on the podcast, and I said it was shocking to see him get completely destroyed by Rocha at his own game. Like, it was not necessarily that Rocha won. It was how Rocha won. Rocha completely destroyed this guy. Now, what we were told is that Cobbs was trying to get a rematch with Rocha, run it back, he had a bad night, bad training, whatever, took it light. Apparently, he had gone, gone in with an injury that we didn't know about. There was other things at play, and that didn't happen. So then what he had said in one of his coverages he did on Fight Hub was that he had already had a contract signed with Mo Hooker, and I believe that would have been a plan B if he couldn't get the Rocha rematch. So here we are, and I don't think that it's a bad thing. I think it's good. Remember that Mo Hooker, had fought Virgil Ortiz in the past. And so Mo Hooker, he's not a stranger to the game. That was a pretty good fight they had in, that was a last year, March. Really, really good fight. Hooker didn't get his hand raised. He got stopped by Virgil Ortiz as expected. So again, I'm not overrating Mo Hooker. I think he's a good, solid fighter for what he is. He's a little bit older, but not crazy older. Just a little bit older. He's got a decent amount of, on his record, like a decent amount of names and I wouldn't say that he has significant experience, but he certainly has more experience than Blair the Fair Cobbs by far and away overall. And I'm not just talking about rounds. I'm talking just skill, general skill, general talent. These guys are the same age overall, but Blair feels like he's been more preserved, if that makes any sense. He did get the Rocha thing. And if you looked at him in the pressers, he seemed like he was more calm, more reserved, wasn't out there like he usually is. And remember, Cobbs had gone the distance a couple fights prior to this. And it seemed like when he came into the Rocha fight, he came in with the wrong impression on his mind, and I'm not really sure why. The guy that he went to decision with that was 20-20, he should not have gone decision to that dude, and it was close. Like, it, it didn't seem like he was all the way there, and then he came back, fought, I believe it was Brad Solomon, fought Solomon, and then he seemed like he was his old self again, and then we saw what happened with Rocha. So I'm saying I don't think he's on a decline, I think that what happens is he underestimates his opponent and it causes him to either be vulnerable or he can't close the, close the door. So I'm in this fight. It's hard to predict. Everybody seems to think that Blair Cobbs is going to knock out Mo Hooker. I don't think that's a guarantee. I think Blair has the opportunity. We have to see how he was affected by the Rocha knockout. Number one, number two, I know he made some changes in his camp. We have to see what that effect has. Number three, he seems to be calmer, more reserved, more, guarded about putting himself out there which is a good thing but it also might harm his ability to close the show like if we look at bumbanga as an example he changed his style all the way around and now he's going out there boxing and there's nothing wrong with that but it's not how he was presented and blair had been presented as a knockout artist now blair had been knocked down before so that wasn't surprising but the way again he was destroyed by rocha you gotta see where his mind's at and the change in camp is never really a good thing so Time will tell. I think it's a fight worth watching. I suspect Mo Hooker is going to give him some trouble. I suspect that Mo might very well win the fight, um, in my opinion. I could be wrong. I'm a, I'm a Cobbs fan, but I think Mo Hooker is solid enough, just enough to be able to get Cobbs out of there if he stays smart with his skills.
And then, of course, Marlon Esparza. This is on the women's side. Uh, she's making her return here at flyweight, 10 rounds. Our opponent's name is Guzman. I've never heard of Guzman myself. Um, I know that Esparza has, I don't want to say she's at the end of her career because that's not fair, but I will say that she is on the older side. Um, she has boxed for a while. She hasn't been in the game a long time, but she started late. She doesn't have kind of that excitement factor that makes her arguably worth watching, frankly. And so as it seems, I believe this fight is one of those get back fights to kind of put her back in the forefront of people's eyes on zone using Virgil Ortiz as the platform. I'm all for it. I just don't know if it's going to lead to anything, frankly, because I think it's kind of too late for her. In my opinion, I do expect Esparza to easily get a win over Guzman. However, we have to see where Esparza's mind's at because Esparza seems like she's committed now to her. She has a, she has a kid. And so it seems like she's committed to motherhood and whether that plays into a factor or not. We got to think about that. Guzman's a Southpaw. We got to play into that. There's a lot of variables where this could be a cherry pick gone wrong, quote unquote. So Eva Guzman, I, again, I've not watched her. However, her record belies what we see. She's not been heavily promoted or marketed. As I said, I've never heard of her, but she has a strong knockout ratio. She's only ever lost one, so they have an equal record. A power seems to lean towards Guzman. Age seems to lead towards Guzman. So it's going to be, I don't know if it's, I think it's a fight worth watching, but I'm not sure if, again, it's going to lead to anything for either of these two. That's that's all I'm saying. I'm not dismissing either. I'm saying I don't know if it's going to lead to anything, in my opinion. So then over the sea, over the pond here at the Sheffield Arena in Yorkshire in the U.K., uh, Dalton Smith, uh, he's coming back. He, this is at super lightweight action, 12 rounds. Uh, I have not followed either of these two guys that we got on the books. <clears throat> um, as I look at just records, only records, uh, Dalton Smith appears to me to be kind of an up-and-coming fighter, youngish. Uh, and then uh, my son is the opponent. Uh, seems like he's, I don't want to say on the decline because that's not fair, but he is slightly older, more experienced. A southpaw, so that could be good. So Sam Omizen. I don't I don't rate this fight. I, I personally don't. Not just because I don't follow it, but because as I look at just general flow of like Dalton Smith specifically, I think it's it's one of those cherry pick type fights. I'm being honest with you. Um, not dismissing my son. I think Smith just he's being presented as the next big thing and he's being handed um fighters that are gonna make him look good in the ring. That's what I, that's my opinion on what that one looks like. I, you know, maybe one of them proves me wrong. Miguel Mariaga makes his return. He's fighting Michael Conlon at featherweight. This is in the SSE arena out in Belfast. On that undercard, then we got Tyrone McKenna, Chris Jenkins. I'm going to talk only about the header on this one, Conlon and Mariaga. Uh, these are named fighters, as in I wouldn't put them up there as stars necessarily, but they are known overseas. I don't personally think it's worth covering it to a deep degree, but I do think Miguel Mariaga has been through wars and is a solid, durable fighter. And I think he's got the lean in terms of danger, like power. He has skill. He has experience. He has all the markings of he should easily destroy uh, Conlon. However, Michael Conlon has age in his advantage. He has reach in his advantage. And I think Conlon has one of those where he can turn a fight in his favor. 
if he's smart when he goes in the ring. He's not always smart when he goes in the ring, mind you. <laughs> I'm just saying that it feels like to me he's smart enough to pull out the W by fight the way he fights and just fighting smart, staying away from the danger, the power, fighting smart and just stay on the move. Don't, don't stand toe to toe. Just do what you do best and he might be able to pull it out. Uh, Collins coming off of a loss. Uh, he lost to Lay Wood. That was in uh, March, very recently, off of a win streak. And Lay Wood, I don't personally rate, but I know he's very well known as well. I don't think that the loss really necessarily affected Conlon, even though it was his first loss. I don't think it affected him from what I've seen. However, we have to take that into account. Losing the O, did that affect him mentally where he's not able to show up in the fight? My gut tells me that Conlon has the ability to win against Mariaga just by skill. The question is whether he can stay away from the power, stay away from the danger, stay on the move. Again, fight smart. Don't fight like an idiot. And if he does that, then I do think he could beat Miguel Mariaga. Absolutely. Amanda Serrano makes her return. Uh, this is broadcast on Showtime pay-per-view. I don't, uh, Madison Square Garden, New York. Makes her return. Uh, she is fighting Brenda Carbajal. Everybody knows Amanda Serrano, of course. Amanda Serrano has lost a couple times. Uh, she's getting up in age, certainly, but she is currently one of the strongest in the women of all women fighters. Uh, dangerous, absolutely. I I think the world of Amanda Serrano, by the way, uh, as just a, as a fighter, but also as a person, she seems like a really good person. Good head on her shoulders. Fights very smart, in my opinion, and this is my opinion. I believe she got robbed against Katie Taylor. That's my opinion. I believe she deserved to get her hand raised. It was a close fight, but I believe she deserved to get her hand raised in the way that the decisions were rendered. I don't think Taylor did enough to have beaten her. So I would have been okay with the draw, let's say, because at that point you're saying, you know what? We can't piece it. Taylor's getting pieced up for the, at least half the fight. And if you watched it and then Taylor ducked a rematch. So I'm, I feel for, Serrano in that regard and I wish that she would get an opportunity to rerun that back because I, I feel like she would she should have won that fight in my opinion and she is one of the best uh, out there she gets criticism at times and then again because she's getting up in age that's a factor but I think she's one of the best out there uh Brenda Carbajal I don't I've never watched her necessarily um she is certainly the younger of the two is Carbajal but skill like levels rounds i don't think it's close i think that serana's easily going to destroy her is my that's my gut speaking uh the last fight that we have on the books uh brandon lee is returning and this is at super lightweight also in new york on that same showtime pay-per-view on the undercard or the co-main i should say uh brandon lee and will madera these two are roughly equivalent other than brandon lee He's the, the star of this, too, because he's undefeated. He's got strong knockout ratio power. Brandon Lee, not to be confused with the, you know, the son of Bruce Lee, but Brandon, B-R-A-N-D-U-N, Lee is a very exciting fighter to watch in the ring. Uh, if, you, if you don't get a chance to watch any other fighter this weekend, I do recommend you check his out. I know it's on pay-per-view, and I understand. I'm just telling you, he, he does not disappoint every time he's in the ring. With Madeira, he's slightly older, so that's a factor. He's only lost the one time, and he got stopped, but he's gone to a draw a couple times. 
Madera is not going to present very much danger for Brandon Lee. I, I believe this is one of those cherry pick type fights to be quite honest with you, that it's designed to make Brandon Lee look that much better in positioning him up the rankings. He's not ranked right now. He's only ranked like number 12 by the IBF. He has no other rankings on any other belts right now. And so time will tell where he goes. I'm saying this fight feels like it's designed to position him for higher rankings so he can get in the limelight for other fights. His history of who he's fought, again, is a who's who of nobody. Uh, and I'm being honest. I'm just being frank. Nobody really knows the guys that he's fought. Uh, everybody that he's fought has lost at least once. There's not a problem with that. But at some point, you do want to see the guy step up because he does have 24, 25 fights. By, you know, <laughs> some fighters by their fifth fight are already fighting somebody that's like a named champion or somebody else. So I like the guy. I just think that he is not being used the way he needs to, where he's moving up, he's he's going higher, and he's doing more. Because remember, super lightweight is one of those divisions where you got a lot of exciting fighters up there ready for the next big thing, I think, test. Uh, and we see guys are leaving the division, so that creates opportunities that I don't know are being capitalized on. He might say, well, he's still young. He's about to be 24, I believe. And so, yes, it's youngish, but at the same time, he's been fighting for five years. So to me, I just, if I think of someone like Sriza Ketsorongvijai, man, that dude was fighting for championships almost fresh out the gate, and he started late. So I'm I'm critical of that, but I like the guy. I just wish that they would step him a little bit more, not the major test, but step him a little bit more, him a little bit more under the belt, other than these guys that nobody knows anything about, you know, except B-side, except all terms, just to get into the ring. Like we did with Isak Cruz, right? Recently with Tank, you know, nobody knew who he was until he fought Tank and he needed that opportunity and he had a great showing. And as a result, now Isak Cruz is an A-side fighter. I think that now is certainly the time for Brandon Lee to get that opportunity as well to step up and fight a thing. People can say whoever's ducking or whatever. At the end of the day, there are tons of guys at super lightweight that they could pair him with and put on a really good show and excite the fans and that's going to cause both guys to be elevated. That's going to do it for this week's episode of Combat Talk Radio, Masterpiece Boxing, found at CombatTalkRadio.net. I want to thank you for listening today, whether you are a subscriber or not. I know you have choices, and I appreciate you for being here. Just to remind those that are new to the show, Combat Talk Radio records every Friday, so once a week in the Pacific time zone. And then Lifeblood of Boxing series, which is our coverage of the boxers I think are worth your time and give to the sport. That's once per month. It does not have a fixed schedule, but once a month I'll have a release until I run out of ones that I think are worth covering for Lifeblood of Boxing. So those are our two programs. It is podcast only at this point. We want to hear from you. So combattalkradio.net at the bottom. Hit comments, feedback. Let us know how we're doing. If there's anything that you'd like to see us adjust or improve, we want to hear from you and we are open to that feedback. We also are open to starting up the YouTube again, but it seemed like that died off when Lomachenko took a loss, and we don't know why. So if somebody knows why or they'd like to hear the YouTube coverage, let us know that as well in the comments, and we are open to doing it. We just need to make sure the fans are there. Right now they're on the podcast, not on the YouTube for whatever reason specific. We're open either way. Anyhow, that'll do it, and I will see you guys next week.